0: think So the very first thing our students should know is active listening that I have learned a lot. When you are working with somebody who is already professional, you can learn only by actively listening to the person. So this was the first thing that I learned. The second thing is be an initiator. When a person sees an initiative thing in you, they will always give you a chance. And I believe that this thing was with me over these years. I took the initiative when i was building the youth wing we were having some more members in it so i started exercising my leadership skills as well i got to know that how team works all these little things that i learned so be a initiator have a active listening is the most important skill
1: Welcome to episode 41 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Yaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guests' experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. I'm excited by our guests today, Robandeep Saini, and we'll be talking about Robandeep in a moment, but I thought I would give an update on what's been going on with me and what projects I have coming up. Now, as most of the audience knows, I work mostly with newcomers to Canada, helping them to connect across cultures and adjust to the working and social culture here in Canada so they can find work more quickly and advance faster. However, I'm going to be running a different kind of session focused on a slightly different audience. Coming up on Tuesday, I'm running a session for international students joining the engineering program in Kyushu University which is located in southern Japan. The title of the session is similarities and differences connecting across cultures. And these international students are coming from all over the world to study engineering in Japan, including students from Canada. So I'm invigorated by this opportunity to work with a Japanese institution. As many of you may know, my story as an intercultural trainer and cross-cultural communications coach originates from my seven years living and working in Japan. The name Hiaku Coaching comes from Japanese, Hiyaku being Japanese for leap forward or great progress. So because of my time there and the experiences I've had there, Japan will always have a special place in my heart. So I'm excited by this opportunity to work with these international students to help them adjust to life in Japan. And it's not only to develop the skills for life in Japan, but also the skills to work and connect with each other because they're coming from many parts of the world, different parts of Europe, Asia, and North America. And I have to thank my colleague, Professor Mika Tamura, is part of the engineering program in Kyushu University for this opportunity. When I think about it, there was a particular experience that I recall from when I was in Japan teaching English that really started me on this journey. I was teaching a class and these students were in fact working adults. This class was focused on better scores on a particular English test. If you got good scores, that could result in greater work opportunities, that chance to work overseas. So they were very interested in doing well on this test. And the particular unit that I was teaching one day was focused on multiple choice. Of course, if you are taking a multiple choice quiz and you have no idea of what the answer is, you just choose something because then you at least have a chance of getting it right, a 25% chance if there are four choices. The reason for this lesson was because in Japanese culture, and and I'm stressing here, this is a tendency. This is not a blanket statement about all Japanese. But in the culture, there's been a tendency towards risk avoidance. And for some people, that would translate into not choosing an answer because they didn't want to mark something wrong. So it was a bit of a change in thinking, the, the focus of this lesson. So I was teaching the lesson. And there was one student in particular, Kenji. He was a middle-aged businessman um, and he was listening very attentively to what I was saying. So I was focusing some of my comments towards him. We went through the different steps, went through many explanations about the reason. You choose an answer because at least you have a chance of getting it even if you don't know what the answer is. And he seemed to be really taking it all in and nodding. And we were just about to do the final exercise, which was a, a short practice test to see if they had understood the idea of choosing different answers. And I said, Kenji, do you understand what to do? And he looked at me and he said, yes. So I thought, fantastic, I've done a great job. He's gonna do great on this test. And as it turns out, he left a number of answers blank, even though over the past 40 minutes, we had been focusing on the importance of choosing an answer. And I was shocked. I said, Kenji, you told me that you understood what to do and and yet you didn't choose any answers was it that you didn't understand and he couldn't really give me an, an answer and i was quite frustrated because i was not used to this i assumed oh he must have been too embarrassed to say anything and i got a bit emotional about it i have to admit which was not one of my prouder moments and as a result kenji never came back to any of my classes so i took that time to reflect and i noticed when i went to other classes anytime i asked the question do you understand? The answers from the students was almost always yes, I would say 99% of the time, even when it was clear that they didn't understand. I did a little bit of investigation. I talked with some of my Japanese colleagues, and my assumption had originally been, oh, this is because they're too embarrassed to say something. But in fact, the tendency wasn't so much that, it was more about preserving harmony in the group. The, The thinking was, well, If I'm a student who raises my hand and and asks for more clarification, that means that I'm causing more trouble for my classmates. I'm causing more trouble for the teacher. So it's better to just say that I understand and hopefully I'll figure it out later, which was very different than what I was used to as a Canadian, where I was raised to understand that you're supposed to ask a question uh, because you want to get it right. And you could justify it by saying other people probably had the same question. So if I'm asking it, then it's going to answer for everybody. So it took me some time to adjust to that different way. And it doesn't necessarily mean it was better, or it was worse, it was just different. And I still had to teach a class of these students. I could take the time to try and encourage them. It's okay to ask questions. It's perfectly normal in the culture, but that would take a lot of time. And also that's me effectively trying to force them to adjust to my way of teaching, which is not going to be effective because I was in Japan. I was a guest there. The only time that these people were exposed to Canadian culture was when they were with me. Yes, I could teach them a little bit and I think that was valuable, but I couldn't expect them to suddenly change and nor should I because again, I was a guest there. So I had to adjust my way of doing things. So what I did was I adjusted how I asked the questions. Rather than just simply asking them, do you understand? After I gave instructions, I would ask them as a class. Now, please explain to me what it is that you're going to do. Or if they didn't have enough English to communicate that, I would ask a series of yes-no questions. Are you going to mark an answer, even if you don't know? Are you going to leave it blank? And that way I could confirm their understanding. And the questions were coming from me as the teacher who was seen as the authority figure and no one felt the obligation to stand out and cause trouble for anyone else. So that seemed to work more effectively because I was adjusting to the cultural expectations there. That was an experience that got me really thinking about culture and how to adjust and how we could do the same for people coming to Canada. That's why I'm so excited to work with these international students who are coming to a Japanese university. but Let's get on with our focus today, which is the conversation with Robandeep Kaur. This is part one of a two-part interview with Deep, who is a youth leader and data analyst, and she's doing great work through Brilliant Minds Group, BMG, and the Punjabi Chamber of Commerce, Helping newcomers and international students adapt to life in Canada. In today's conversation, we talk about the power of networking, Robandeep's experience with a US based organization during her master's program, and how it helped her hone her communication and interpersonal skills. How listening is key when oftentimes it seems that we are eager to speak. So, the job hunting insights that she reveals the importance of networking but also of doing research and interview preparation and most importantly learning from mistakes and finding solutions instead of overthinking and not being afraid of making mistakes. Without further wait let's get into part one of the conversation with Deep Deepakor. Well, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Thank you very much, John, for having me here. So hi, everybody. My name is Rubandeep Kaur, a young professional who is committed to the growth of people. If I talk about my educational background, I have done my master's in bioinformatics and currently I'm studying data science and artificial intelligence here in Canada. Apart from that, I have quite good experience in the education sector, science and tech sector and the social area.
1: Certainly, you've got quite a bit of knowledge and experience for someone so young as well. And as I understand it, you have been in Canada for a relatively short time. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's uh, right. I've been in Canada for the last six months. It's quite a long time. But if I... Uh... Tell you my experiences, I have been associated with CEO of the organization for quite a lot uh, of time. So I knew about the culture here and everything.
1: Yes, I can appreciate the knowledge that you have and being prepared for life here. I find it fascinating because many of the guests that I've had have been in Canada for a number of years. But I think it's really important to have that viewpoint from upcoming generations and people who are going to be contributing to life here. So I really appreciate having this opportunity to chat with you about that.
0: Yeah, so true. I think so. It has really created a very big difference when you are in another country and you know that these are the things that you should know before entering into the new culture. So I believe that the networking I had here and the people I know, they have contributed a lot in my growth. They have appreciated a lot. They have checked with me time to time. What are the problems I might have? What are the things that I should know for coming to this country? So it is important.
1: Speaking of things that you know, what are some of the key pieces of information that you found out ahead of time that? Really helped you out.
0: Basically what happened that when I was doing my master's back home, I got to know about one organization. It is based in U.S. The name of the organization is Punjabi Chamber of Commerce. So they were having some networking conversation. So I joined this conversation with the help of my friend and uh, we started discussing about youth things. Everything was perfect, but they were not having the youth thing there. So I initiated the conversation uh, with one of the ladies there and she really liked my idea. And she told me that uh, can we go ahead with this thing that can have the youth on the board? Can we do some projects related to youth? At that point of time, I wasn't aware what I was doing. The only thing I had was that I wanted to do because I wanted to work on my communication a lot. And my interpersonal skills, I wanted to exercise all these skills. So I said yes to the opportunity. And as a result of it, we did so many webinars internationally. We had speakers. I got to know a lot from these figures. So I would say that these are the little, little things, the gaps we usually have. The active listening skills, the communication skills, and the other important skills that a student should know before going anywhere that all these skills I've learned from this.
1: If you were to give a few examples of some of the skills that would be very important for a student to know, what what would some of those be?
0: so the very first thing a student should know is active listening that i have learned a lot when you are working with somebody who is already professional you can learn only by actively listening to the person so this was the first thing that i learned the second thing is be an initiator when a person sees a initiative thing in you they will always give you a chance and i believe that this thing was with me over these years i took the initiative when i was building the youth thing we were having some more members in it so i started exercising my leadership skills as well i got to know that how team works all these little things that i learned so be a initiator have uh, active listening is the most important skill
1: i think in many cultures there is sometimes a tendency to want to speak because That's a way of perhaps showing that you have value. And certainly I think it's true in North America where sometimes there's such a rush to speak that there is not always time taken to listen. As you mentioned, you learned all of these valuable lessons and you did all of this networking prior to coming to Canada. So now that you're here, I'm curious, even after all of that networking and everything that you'd done, was there anything that surprised you that perhaps you learned more about once you came here?
0: Yeah. So whenever you were a student here, I think so the very first thing a student do is along with their study, they do find some part-time job because uh, the survival is very important here. So sometimes to get some Canadian experience. People do part-time jobs. Sometimes people say that, okay, if you have the networking, what you can do is just go to your network and ask for the job. But this is not the thing. Sometimes we need to research the market. Sometimes we need to strategize a lot before going to somebody, okay, that you are a great fit for this job so when i was back home i thought i do have good network what i'll do is i do have good experience as well what i'll do is according to my experience and everything i will reach out to the person that i'm looking for some job opportunity can you please facilitate that but i was wrong at this point of time because Whenever you want to exercise the skill of finding jobs, you need lots of skill. You need to have your right resume. You need to prepare for your interview skills. Then you should know that the company you are applying to, is it a great fit for you or not? So this was the thing that I got to know when I was here and which is a positive part. Now I'm learning a lot. I think whenever you are applying for any of the job, take this thing in mind that how are you? contributing to that thing if you are able to contribute in something i think so people would be happy to have you in the team
1: because you're able to explain to them how it is that you could contribute
0: yes it's so right actually i just wanted to add one more thing people use the word networking in the wrong way actually networking is more about building relationship it's not about that you are going and you're just asking for your favor. it's about building relationship It's about asking that, see, I'm building these skills. Am I good enough or do I need to improve? If I believe that if we take the networking thing in an appropriate manner, we can learn a lot.
1: Excellent point about networking, as you said. I think having that attitude of being able to give, what is it that I can give to you really makes a, a big difference. One other thing I should mention is the idea that it is something that takes time. It's not about being able to get something immediately. If, if you are giving something, then that will come back to you in, in ways that you don't expect. And I can speak from personal experiences, I'm sure you can as well, of the benefits of that.
0: So true. I, I just wanted to add one more thing. In the process of growth, if you feel that you will be growing linearly, then it is your mistake. Whenever, in the process of growth, you need to be the student of life. You will follow. Then you will stand up. Sometimes you need courage. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. I believe that the more quickly I make mistakes, the more quickly I learn. So this should be the teaching.
1: The road to success is paved with failures and mistakes. Some people don't like to say failures, but I figure it's okay to use that word as long as you understand it's all part of the journey. Could you share a mistake that you were able to learn from, for example?
0: Let me share one of my experience that now I'm dealing with the diverse culture. Whenever I'm in the college or whenever I'm at the workplace or whenever I'm at anywhere, we come across different people. So sometimes what happens that we pre-assume about the person. Sometimes, for example, if we have a deadline, we have lots of projects going on in our studies and sometimes there is a deadline and if the person is not responding, sometimes we feel that they might be doing it intentionally so over the period of time i have learned that this is not the thing the reason is that the person might do it intentionally but the other thing is might be there is a different situation so as i always try to communicate with the person that if this is happening or is there anything that needs to be communicated further so i think if there is a problem there is always a solution go for the solution don't make the things complicated by overthinking a lot. I changed the approach and it has changed my life.
1: It goes along with avoiding judgment and including avoiding judgment of yourself as well when you make those kinds of mistakes. And I think it's valuable to assume positive intent, unless there's proof of otherwise. If you have that lack of trust, some people see it as a way of protecting themselves from being exploited. But I think that in the long run, if you have that attitude, it cuts you off from a lot of opportunities to connect with others. And that can lead to all sorts of chances, possibly for employment, for collaboration. I don't think it's naive, as long as you keep some awareness about you.
0: Yeah, so true. I just wanted to have more thing here. That even if you have some uh, misunderstanding about the person, no, it doesn't mean that you start criticizing yourself for the same. If you have acknowledged it that, okay, I did this mistake, accept that mistake gracefully. Go to the person and tell them the story. See, I have this thing, but I was wrong. And I'm happy you come like this way. I appreciate it. If the person is genuine, they will definitely uh, appreciate you for the same. I did that. Many of the times whenever I do pre-assumption and I feel that my pre-assumption is wrong, I go to the person, I always tell them, see, this is the situation. This is the thing that I have felt about you. But uh, I apologize for the same. I'm happy to have you in my team if the person is in the team. There are different things. If I believe that if you see the things in a different perspective, you will see the different things coming up. It's all about perception. How do you see things? And what do you want out of that conversation? There are people who just want the conflict, nothing else. If you are motivated, if you want something productive out of the conversation, you will surely find it. What do
1: you do to stay open and to avoid judgment?
0: The very first thing that I always do is that being transparent and be clear. If you are having these two things, you can easily win the trust of the other person. There should not be anything like manipulation. If your intent is clear, the person will feel it. I'm a true energy believer. I believe that if you emit a positive energy out of you, the other person can actually feel it. So your intent should be clear. Be transparent. Be clear that whatever you are feeling, whatever you are seeing should be aligned throughout
1: your soul. Show what it is that you expect from others and building that trust. One thing... That is a challenge for many people when adjusting to a new culture, but I think can especially hit young people and students quite hard is being away from families and the way you expect things to operate or turn out. Things may be quite different. Perhaps you can speak from personal experience. How do you deal with those feelings and how do you continue to to move on and keep motivated
0: first of all thank you for asking this question this question is very close to my heart because we face this sort of situation many times in life whenever we feel little down whenever we feel isolated we are away from family we are away from everything that was ours, but now is not there so yes there have been times when i felt low and that point of time i tried to be with my good circle of friends who can understand and can motivate me because even if you are very internally motivated you still need treatment so I usually call my mentors I try to tell them every situation from the very scratch without even thinking that they will judge me that whatever I am feeling What are the circumstances so that I can be more open? Because whenever you are away from your family, if you are not sharing anything with anybody, then there would be a mental pressure. And then that mental pressure can be converted into depression at one point of time. And this is a serious thing. And so that's why sharing things are important. Even if it is is not positive, even if it is negative, let it be. Be open. Be expressive. That's fine. Try to have that self-love with yourself that even if you are not comfortable sharing something, say it. Why having burden? It's okay. It's okay to make mistake. It's okay. There is no shame. I don't feel it. Life is having ups and downs. Life is having everything. Life gives us roses as well as thoughts. It's fine. Embrace everything. The more you embrace it, the more you would be happy. Apart from that, I do meditation. Meditation is also a good thing. I usually stay silent for a moment and I write affirmation for myself. I open my diary. I remind myself that why am I here? What is my ultimate goal? What is the purpose of life? And then I showed up again and I say to myself, I'm born to shine. I cannot give up. This keeps me going.
1: That was part one of the conversation with Deep. We have part two coming up Wednesday, August 30th at the usual time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In part two, Deep will be talking more about mental health matters and highlighting the importance of having a supportive circle of friends and mentors, self-love, meditation and affirmations to stay motivated. She also talks about the value of volunteering. We both talk about that not just to explore potential career paths, but also be able to connect with the community and connect with new perspectives and ideas. The importance of embracing uncertainty. So Deep shares her experiences of realizing the importance of humor and embracing every part of her journey and also the self-introspection and asking questions to yourself when perhaps you're not sure about how you're feeling about different things. So that's coming up next week at the usual time. Wednesday, August 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern, so please join in for that. Until then, keep navigating your way between cultures towards your goals.